All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bible Quest. This is the Tuesday edition where we talk with you about the Bible and its relevance for today, every Tuesday at two. My name is Justin Doms, and let me invite you to interact with us live. You can go to YouTube and use the chat feature there. We'll be watching that throughout today's discussion. But if you have other questions or topics you'd like to hear us discuss on this program, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we want to be a help to you in your journey to know the Lord and his word. So please uh, reach out to us there, or you can reach out to us at BibleQuest.tv. I uh, really enjoy the discussions we have here, but they're made better uh, through you. So uh, today we have with us Scott Smelser. Scott, you doing all right today? Oh, hold on. You got your microphone. I, I think I'm doing all right. <laughs> we made it. Well, you, you are here, and I'm, I'm glad you're here, Scott. Um, and then we have with us as a guest, uh, Craig D. Hutt from Indianapolis, Indiana. How are you doing today, Craig? I'm doing well. I'm glad to join you guys. Yeah, glad, glad you're with us. Um, Craig, you and I, I feel like we go way back. I don't know. It doesn't seem that long ago. Um, but I've known you since about the same amount of time I've known my wife. You are my brother-in-law, for better or worse. Mm -hmm. um, but, I think for uh, better. Uh, yeah, from my end of things. <laughs> uh but uh we have you on today to talk about a very particular subject um we want to talk about entertainment and media and i wonder if you could kind of let our audience know why we might want to talk with you about that topic uh sure so certainly not because i'm i'm any great authority or expert on it um but i have been blessed with a a fairly unique uh, experience and perspective. I was able to attend film school back in 2005. I was able to graduate from there in 2007 and uh, have been uh, working in the industry of creating media and video since then. And being able to sit at the feet of, of worldly filmmakers, people with a very different worldview than we would ascribe to as Christians, and hearing uh, what their desires are, their objectives are when they create content and what what they understand and realize the power of it is. And so that has helped uh, to influence uh, the type of content that I try to create uh, as a media professional, um, but then also the type of content that I consume as a Christian and um, the type of de decisions that we make as a family, my wife and my kids. Um, what are we willing and not willing to consume, knowing the types of things that that Hollywood is trying to achieve with it? So, so you're you're saying that um, in going through film school and working with people in the world who make film, it has uh, opened your eyes to how the entertainment industry works. There are things yeah, you might I know that I wouldn't know. Perhaps. I think it's becoming more and more obvious. Uh, it used to be something that I would try to explain back in 2005, 6, 7. Um, guys, you, you need to understand what they're doing. These children's shows are not as innocent as we, as we think. And it was a harder sell back then. It's becoming more obvious and more clear, I think, to parents that there is clearly an objective. And on the whole, it's not a godly one. Um, what they're trying to do to to influence culture. Um, and it's not a new tactic. Satan has been using this uh, since the dawn of time. Um, packaging something that looks like truth, that looks appealing 
and, and looks like something that we want. Uh, but when we bite into the thing, we realize that it's, um, it's destructive. Mm. So in interpersonal relationships where things are not thought out ahead of time and planned and just conversations flowing, sometimes somebody says something, somebody takes it one way and no, that wasn't what they meant. And we need to be careful about assuming bad motives because they mean it that way. But I'm guessing in the uh, entertainment industry, all the time and planning that goes in, it, it was meant that way. It is, it's intentional. <laughs> right. That is a great point. There is nothing that you're going to see in theaters or on television that has not gone through months of planning and prep. And so what ends up showing there on the screen was, was never by accident. Um, and that is, um, that is something that we need to be aware of is, you know, what kind of messages are they communicating because they, they did that on purpose and why. Um, not to say that everything that Hollywood puts out is evil to its core or it's trying to corrupt. Um, but what I try to encourage and, and with these lessons that I've done in the past, uh, various congregations around the country is we just need to be more discerning and more aware. Um, video, movies, music, the internet are not things that we should sit down and just open our brain. And, you know, no, those are things that we should sit down and with the right kind of biblical worldview and the right kind of defenses in place, consume that content um, and sift it, you know, be discerning with it. And uh, we are usually very good about that when it comes to what teachers are we willing to sit down and learn from? What books are we willing to read if we're trying to uh, learn something new? Um, I, I have found, at least in my experience, we are less um, cautious when we sit down and watch a show. Um, mm. But it's it's doing just as much teaching uh, as any college professor might, if not more so. so. Well, and I know that sometimes um, at the end of the day, we'll want to sit down and just kind of, you know, quote unquote, turn our brains off. Oh, yeah. And just you know, veg and relax you know, yeah. and working hard all day, physically, mentally, I'm just done. And I want, I want to do nothing. And so you, you turn something on, you let yep. it play after the 30 minutes of figuring out what it is you're going to watch um, and you let it go. But, mm -hmm. but your point is that our brains are actually actively consuming something and we need to be a little more thoughtful about that. Um, yeah. Now you, you went to school to do this sort of thing. So you've heard from the professionals and from those who are training the professionals on kind of what this is. So um, I don't wanna to get too far ahead of you here, but you, you've got some things to share with us. So just kind of get into this. Right, sure. Um, so I think a good place to start, the best place to start is, is really, you know, passages like First Peter chapter one that simply encourage us, um, uh, Peter says, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And so when, when people talk about, well, what are your standards for 
what you watch. You know, I know our family had very specific standards growing up. Um, it's different for every family, but really, if we're Christ followers, it should be this standard. Um, what is my conduct? What What is it that I'm consuming and vouching for? Is it holy? Can I describe it as such? Um, because I don't want to be conformed to, to the passions of what I used to be. Mm. Jesus has changed us. He's made us into something better. He's making us into something better, more like him and more like our father. And if I'm consuming on a regular basis stuff that makes me who I used to be, uh, then it's taking me away from that that holiness. And so normally um, a, a verse that I hearken back to quite a bit is, is there in Ephesians chapter five, um, verses eight through 12, but specifically there in verse 10, um, trying to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. It, it takes effort. It takes knowledge. Um, we cannot just open our brains and consume. We need to sift it. We need to filter it. Um, who is the one giving me the information? And oftentimes we don't think about that. Usually we don't. Um, I'm watching a show, but how, how often do I think about who was the writer on this show? or who were the writers, who was the director, um, what company is behind this messaging. Um, I need to, to discern those sorts of things. I kind of use, uh, you know, later in this passage, I use the, the verse, uh, verse 11 as a kind of battle cry for, for myself and, and for the work that I do uh, to not only take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. And so, um, I have done a series of lessons and workshops about uh, what I call Hollywood's Trojan horse. Um, I learned at the feet of these industry professionals who were trying to change the culture in this particular way. And I instead um, am trying to use those same tools um, to, to oppose their objective, um, to create things that are, are exposing what they're doing and try to bring the gospel. In, into the world instead. Yeah, and, and you told me once going to a film school, this art institute, um, what your professor told you, you know, we, you are not, was it you're not entertainers? What was the line that he told you? So they did not refer to us as entertainers. We were primarily culture changers. That's yeah. how they referred us to. Um, so they, they, and, and the reason, behind that is they would say, when was the last time you sat and listened to anyone for two hours at a time? Politician, public speaker, your parents. When was the last time we ever sat and just not had a conversation with, but just let someone talk to us for two hours at a time? Mm -hmm. And his point was the last time you sat and watched a movie, that's exactly what you did. You mm. sat and you let someone talk to you or yep. two, if it's a Marvel movie, it's three hours at a time. Um, and and what power we give to those filmmakers to basically say, teach me, talk to me, yep. not with me, but to me. Um, and how, and we can see it, how over time, if the same messages are communicated to the general public, culture shifts in that direction um it's again it's it's not that hard to convince people of that nowadays 
Um, this is not a new tactic by Hollywood. It's it's been one of their principal objectives from the beginning. Um, they are trying to change culture, and by and large, they have been on a lot of key issues that we never thought we'd be arguing about mm -hmm. or debate twenty or thirty years ago. Yep. You know, what is marriage? What is a man? What is a woman? Well, we're now confused about that because our movies and our shows and our entertainment have been planting seeds of doubt um, for the last many decades. Yeah. And, and that, I think that's helpful. It's, it's not so much that they came out and said, you should think this way. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes, mm -hmm. sometimes Lindsay and I, uh, my wife, will, will go back and watch a movie that was made in the 90s. And the way they talk about certain issues is like, oh, yeah, that's the way our culture used to talk about these issues, but we don't anymore. And they sort of just planted a thing here, laid a thing here, and you got comfortable mm -hmm. with it being in the same room. Yep. And the longer you got comfortable with it, the more they could kind of bring in something else and then bring in something else uh, and slowly over time. And you want to think, well, surely they're not being that manipulative, but, but look, where, look where we are. Uh, right. So it, it is... It is just, right. I may be watching a movie and I don't agree with the principles that are laid out there or the, I may not agree with the main message, but just by exposing myself to it and taking it in for two hours, I'm eroding my character and eroding my defense to that kind of message. Uh, and so right. it's a kind of a subliminal, uh, subtle way of, of changing things. Right. Scott? One comment. Yeah. It's kind of like a tie it constantly comes in and never wants to go back out. Like, mm. well, they, they may be trying to get to here. They're not going to stop here. No. You know, yesterday's here is, is no longer acceptable. Right. Um, right. Constantly great. Yeah. So you think about in 1939, the movie Gone with the Wind came out, and it featured for the first time ever the first curse word in a film and it's right there at the end um it's it's become one of these classic lines obviously i'm not going to repeat it but when it came out in 1939 uh people picketed theaters they were so aghast that such a thing would be shown to the general public when was the last time you watched a movie in the theaters that didn't have at least you know, half a dozen or more. In fact, our culture has become writers will, and they do, they taught us this, they will add curse words to a script to push it from a PG to a PG-13 because more people see PG-13 movies. So they'll make more money if it'll be a PG-13. So the original script didn't have it, but if they can add one or two select words, that was less than a hundred years ago. Isn't that funny? We, yeah. we, we kind of expect, um, when you frame it that way, it's, it's as though we expect more sin to make us more mature. Right. And that, that my maturity is, is measured by my ability to process more sin. That's right. terrible. It is terrible. Sure. But think about how we grade it. Right. <laughs> what do they call movies that are extra violent and extra they call them for mature audiences yeah and so this yeah. this really does i'll i'll kind of 
move forward through a few of these slides, but this comes back to some of the things they taught us in school is it's, it's how you dress the thing up. So we write from a perspective, we write from our own worldview. Well, the, you know, the, the world is writing from a worldview that is predominantly godless. I wish that were not the case, but it's true. Mm-hmm. But they know they can't just give it to you. They will dress it up in something. They'll change the definition of words. Uh, and so mature audiences has become that word where a hundred years ago, um, it would have been called something very different. And it it would have only been for a certain type of audience. Um, now, we're, we're meant to think that it's it's the people who are more mature, you know, that should be consuming content like this. So, Adult bookstores are not selling books on how to rewire your house. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and so yeah, that, again, has been a tactic that Satan used from the very beginning. He appealed to Adam and Eve um, with something they knew they should not have had, but he he presented it with a desire to make them as wise as God. You know, he presented it with them, you know, with something that looked good. It, it very well could have tasted good, um, but he promised them thing, things that everyone wants and who wouldn't want. You know, uh, you're not going to die, he said. Um, and it's going to make you like God. It's all things that we all very much would desire. But he wrapped up poison in something that that looked and sounded good. Um, again, I could, I could, and have done a whole lesson on this. Um, we are trained in very specific ways to knowingly wrap up poison. We know you won't like it. We know if we went out and said it straight to your face, you would reject that but we still want to say it. And so we'll figure out a way to make characters that are morally ambiguous so that when they finally do the thing that in any other context we would view as reprehensible, we've, we've spent the last hour and a half growing accustomed to and falling in love with this particular character. So that when he ends up murdering more of the bad guys than the bad guys do, we still think of him as a hero. Mm-hmm. Um, Hollywood is doing that on purpose. They know they can't start the movie that way, but they'll finish it that way. It's why swear word in Gone with the Wind was at the end and not at the beginning. Um, so. Hmm. Hmm. And if there's a movie, of course, there's lots of movies that just have scenes in it uh, that, that shouldn't be there. But even just the falling in love part. Uh, one time I saw an old Robert Duvall movie. And one thing I really appreciated about it, there was this woman he met, and they expressed their interest in each other. And then there's a wedding, and then they're married. And then they, they didn't have scenes that they shouldn't have. It was just, it was, you know, you appreciated that. But in other words, there'll be people who don't have any business being with each other, maybe they're married or, or, or whatever. Or, or they're not married to each other, but the movie is created or the series is created to build attention, getting the audience to root for wanting them to get together. Right. And it's, it's like they're, you're, they're creating a thing that pushes the audience member to want them to sin. 
How's that for different right. words and movements? Right. And they'll use words that the Bible uses, love. You know, they'll use words um, that we all, you know, each of us have this desire. Like the, these are romance movies or romance novels. Well, that's not an inherently evil thing. God created that desire between men and women, certainly. But they paint it in such a way so that um, they usually won't, or if they didn't used to, come out point blank and say, God's plan for marriage and sexuality is outdated. But what they will do is they'll show us enough casual sex and homosexual relationships and adultery, and and they won't comment on it. They'll just present it as this is normal. Yep. This is average. This is common. Um, and we won't address the elephant in the room long enough. And their hope is, and we have, we've forgotten it's there. Um, and then they will, and this is what I've, I've noticed more in the last decade or so, they will now more pointedly um, ostracize and condemn what we used to all in this culture accept as traditional marriage, you know, as what is a, a desirable relationship is, is to be married and to, to be with one person for life. That is now being being ostracized um some of that they did in really um not blatantly immoral ways um i'm, I'm thinking about it now and the this the classic sitcoms where um, they just have the husband and wife bickering and it's funny where they have the the live-in in-laws or the children who are um showing themselves to be wiser and you know more clever than the parents yes. and you have that kind of dynamic and they're not pushing immoral lifestyles they're just eroding our confidence in the way god designed family and um, the father is always the idiot yeah yes very much so yeah yeah um you know i got to think about that robert ball movie I mean, it was so unusual because it didn't have, you know, the tacky scenes that they want to put in so many movies. It went straight to a wedding. It also showed repentance. He was an alcoholic and he got sober and he mm -hmm. started on church. It even showed his baptism. It was just, it was, wow. it, yeah, it was, it was so much. Uh, now there were, there were some points in it where he used some bad language, but uh, so I wouldn't watch it. You know, without uh, you could have a mute button or something. But the thing is, it's striking how unusual that was. Oh, right. Somebody turning from right. sin, somebody. It was just, yeah. You don't you don't see that often at all. And and it was interesting in specifically in like script writing classes that I would take. They they couldn't they couldn't put their finger on why some of the most successful movies have been successful but for those of us who knew the bible it's when we realized that they accidentally converged with some <laughs> profound biblical themes that audiences resonant you know stories that feel like the david and goliath resonate with audiences well why is that because god god told us that story and it's real and it's true and it's genuine 
but Hollywood can't seem to figure out, oh, you know, if we would actually, not necessarily that you have to make a Bible movie every time, but tell stories that communicate sound biblical themes uh, that introduce characters that remind us of characters in the biblical account. Um, go, I mean, you just go back and you start looking at some of these successful movies, even those, even those that may have offensive content, uh, those that at their core are actually telling a biblical themed movie yeah. are the ones that seem to do the, you know, the best in theaters. Um, Hollywood, no, they, the, they keep scratching their heads. Yeah, no ability, courage, sacrifice. Right. Audiences. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, loyalty. Yeah, self-sacrifice really is the one that uh, it is a common thing um, or used to be. Even in, I don't know, your thoughts about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I could probably get on a soapbox with that particular one. I've seen a lot of them. And the best ones are the ones that start with characters that are prideful and conceited and are misusing their responsibilities and or their powers. And by the end of the movie, they've realized it's not about me. I'm doing this thing for the greater good. Man, tell me stories like that. Yeah. But there has been a shift in superhero films in general, and I've tired of them for a variety of reasons, um, where we're not telling stories of heroes like that. Um, and it's a shame. Marvel slash Disney will figure out eventually. Um, last year's box office should have indicated it. We're, we we don't want stories like what they've been telling us, um, because we've turned we've turned the good guys into the bad guys, and we've created villains that we're all supposed to feel emotionally attached to, um, and, and feel bad for. Mm -hmm. um, and no one no one actually really enjoys stories like that. Um, and again, it it comes it comes down to how how Satan has always been able to wrap up sin. You know, uh, we're told in Romans that the wages of sin is death. Satan knew he couldn't go to Eve and say, "I want you to die." Here, eat this. But what he did was he sugarcoated it in something that she did want that was something good and desirable. Yeah. Um, and so, how much? sugar-coated sin do we consume because it it looks enough like something quality um, and valuable um but is it in fact something that's that's god glorifying and good for us uh spiritual i've got a good bit of material on this so i don't know what what direction you all would like go to for go. it we'll, we'll yeah. follow your lead here craig this is yeah. really I, helpful we'd like to continue on this next week as well so just go ahead and get into okay. it and we'll see how far we get okay before, before 45 well, a lot of the things that i try to encourage uh, not just parents but especially parents as they're considering you know what kind of content is going to be consumed in your household you know what are you going to show your kids what are you going to watch after the kids go to bed um what are the things that you need to consider before you consume media of any kind? And now that's that's not just movies and TV shows, it's apps, it's video games, it's music, media. Um, here's a fun little statistic, and this I have to update every time I do this presentation. Adults, at least in the United States, 
are consuming some kind of media 11 hours out of every day. Wow. So they're either looking at, and, and that would include books, but we know that's not primarily, but that's, that's visually or auditory consuming media of some kind, 11 hours of every day. And so what are some things that we should consider? Um, and the first, the first thing that I encourage people, and it's very practical, is how much money are we spending on our entertainment? Um, <laughs> the streaming wars are a real thing, and now streaming is becoming the next table, and we're all signing up for things that are filling you know, our, our uh, smartphones and our TVs with ads now anyway, which was the whole reason why we were supposed to go to streaming anyway. How much money are we consuming? Uh, because Jesus says that where our treasure is, that's where our heart is going to be. Hmm. And so where's our treasure going to? And if we had to tally up the money I'm spending on my content, how does that compare with the money I'm spending on work of the church or the money I'm spending on evangelism? Um, because you can tell a lot about a person by where they put their their money um and then secondly and, and i had already kind of touched on this again i'm looking at my notes now and they're already outdated based on something i read yesterday but the amount of time um for kids at least in the u.s it's still about six to seven hours a day um now thankfully that's not just entertainment kids are using media and things in schools and i think benefiting from that um you know i i produce content that is being used in bible classes and i think there's some benefit in that but six to seven hours a day how much time are we giving to this thing um someone can correct me on my math i went to art school i didn't go i went to skip math but it it equates um it equates to about three months out of our year we are spending three months out of every year consuming media um that's for children if we're adults it, it becomes higher it gets close to about half and so um counting the cost is our entertainment worth as much as the thing we're giving away or neglecting in order to consume it. Um, we don't get that time back. Time is something when we spend it, it's gone. Uh, we don't get refunds. And so, you know, who are the children that I'm ignoring so that I can finish that ball game? Um, what are the meaningful relationships that I should be fostering with my spouse, with my friends, with my church family, but I'm spending it binge watching something in the evenings? um and uh so that no one gets the wrong idea every time i present material like this i'm talking to myself <laughs> talking to myself and go okay well how much time have we spent um and were there more important things to do and the answer is typically yes that we could have spent that time on on um, that note craig I, I think it's uh that, that is really challenging um and media Think about the time we spend on it. That's that's the billboard we read on the way to work. That's the radio we listen to, podcasts. Yeah. I mean, it's books. It's a lot of things fall into that category. So this is not just someone sitting on the couch for eleven hours a day watching right. Netflix. But 
but we just we consume a lot of it. And I've been thinking more and more recently, um, humans were made in the image of God. And I think part of what that means is God is creator. We were meant to be sub-creators. We were meant to be producers. Uh, and what we're doing with consuming media is we're just takers. Yes, we're, right. we're, we are receiving rather than giving and doing. We were meant to build and to craft uh, and mm. to make something useful and profitable for the people around us. You know, Ephesians 5, you have there. Uh, I also think about Ephesians 4. There's something about robbery that goes into this where God gave me a certain amount of time expecting me to use it well. And then in Ephesians 4, it talks about let him who stole steal no longer, uh, verse 28. Rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands. He may have something to share with anyone who's in need. I, mm -hmm. I'm challenged by that because there are things I could be doing with my quote unquote free time, which by the way, belongs to God. It's already been earmarked, right. uh, um, but I use it for selfish purposes. Um, now, if I'm taking time to rest, that's important. If I'm taking time to spend with family and build relationships, that's important. Um, but but I think a lot of times I'm just using it selfishly rather than being productive so that I can give to someone else for the glory of God. That, that's what God uh, made me to be. It was a gift. And instead, I'm just being a taker. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't want to get off on this too much because I want you to continue this chart. But I imagine at some point we're going to be talking about the tendency in all of this that modern people huge tendency to live vicariously hmm. instead of living a real productive life and doing <laughs> things right at a screen playing a game pretending we're doing something or watching somebody else pretend to do something and we're substituting we're substituting pretend and play for actual real accomplishment it's it's a great point honestly it's not something i've built into my deck but i do end up usually talking about we used to only do that when we'd think of those video gamers who'd spend hours in their mother's basement you know and they'd spend hours you know earning fake money so they can buy digital things that don't exist and we'd make fun of them for that and yet the vast majority of us have cell phones smartphones and we will do things on those smartphones to get those notifications that make us feel good when we get them. And what we're doing is we're spending all this time to achieve, right? Achievement unlocked, right? Uh, to achieve these things that don't matter, right? They don't, uh, in, the, in the big scheme of things, don't matter. Um, and so, yeah, are we using our time to accomplish real things, lasting things, eternal things. Look. Um, because at the end of the day, God's not going to look at the list of achievements on that particular game that I played. <laughs> um, and I do want to, I know this, this almost sounds contradictory because I am a content producer. That's what I do for a living. Um, for those who are familiar with the work that I do, a good bit of my year is spent producing biblical content, media that, that we hope is it's helpful and useful in the study of god's word so i'm not saying 
media is bad. We need to shut it all off. It's all worthless. No, it has its place. And I, I have seen countless examples where if used well, it can actually help us learn. Yes. Um, maybe more so than just uh, a written, you know, a written description of something, seeing that something becomes very helpful. But it is all in moderation. If I'm consuming more podcasts about the Bible than I am reading the actual book, I'm doing it wrong. So now we're to tell our audience, stop listening, <laughs> right. turn it off. No, <laughs> like, I, people do. They, they come up to us and they're like, hey, you know, I watched Following Messiah and I binge watched the whole thing. And it's like, oh, that's, that is five hours long. I've not even done that. And I made the thing because <laughs> um, that's not what it's for. What it's for is you watch a scene or an episode or a few, and then you get back in the book and you read that gospel story again and you go, oh, I can see the Sea of Galilee better. Okay. Oh, that's what Jericho looked like. Or wow, I hadn't thought about what might have been going through Jesus' mind as he made that multi-day journey to Jerusalem for the last time. Um there's, and there's no need to apologize about making good media. The problem isn't that media exists. It's like what we take into our body. If you're taking in just a bunch of unhealthy food and toxins and, and illegal drugs, that doesn't mean that it's not beneficial to eat a salad or have some, some good nutrition. Uh, but we, you know, it's the, it's the cruddy stuff that's sometimes tastier and I want to show something on that, like Harris, real quick here. Two things. One's real short. Joe Works years ago said, there's one thing you never see much of on TV. That's somebody sitting there watching TV. You know, how boring of a show would that be? You know, you're mm -hmm. side view camera watching Bob watch TV. <laughs> and yet, that's millions of people. We're not doing that we may be watching somebody doing something exciting we're sitting there just watching and there was a woman left her husband years ago she should not have but you'll understand her motivation uh he lived in his mom's basement uh he wasn't really taking for providing for his family and he would come home and he would play a video game till two or three in the morning uh, there wasn't spending time with his wife. If there were children, wasn't spending much time with them. It, kind of a nothing job that he wasn't trying to get anywhere with. He'd just come home, video game, all night, hours, finally crawl to bed. And that was it. Very interestingly, can you guess what kind of video game it was? It was one of the first person shooter games. Oh, sure. Yeah. I yeah. was going to say some kind of fighting game or something. Yeah. You know. yeah. Why? Why was he so into that game? I think it made him feel like a man. So he picked a very, very masculine game that he would spend hours pretending on, feeling like a man when he was exactly failing to be a man yeah. and it's because 
um, without obviously knowing this individual, but that's not an uncommon story. Um, for the last many decades, we have been told what a man is and what our culture says a man is, is nothing like what the Bible says a man is. We've been told that men look like this. And honestly, Hollywood can't figure out what they're trying to communicate now because for many years in the heyday of Hollywood, it was men are strong and solitaire and, you know, they, they get the job done and these, you know, rippling muscles and all of that. Um, that is now, I think the term is now toxic masculinity. Um, the culture nowadays, they don't actually want men like that. Uh, they want men that will sideline themselves. They want men who will um, give preferential treatment to anyone and give the responsibility away to anyone. Um, but, you know, we are being trained to think, you know, in order to be successful, a successful man, I need to be this way. In order to be a sex successful woman, I need to be this way. Um, and they are not matching up with, with the biblical um, descriptions of those things. Um, it is, so, so I'll, I'll keep moving forward. Um, one of the things that I think we need to be most thoughtful about is what our entertainment choices cost us in our influence with others. Um, how much of our influence, how much of the example that we set for other people do we spend on our entertainment? Um, one of the most common criticisms in Christ Church is that we profess to be followers of Christ, but we live like the world. They call us hypocrites, right? Um, sometimes I think that criticism is well-placed. We sound like they do. We watch the same shows that they do. We consume the same things. We talk like they do. Um, our influence on those that need Christ is weakened, if not completely lost, because of a show? Like, why are we doing that? Um, how many, how many evangelistic opportunities have we potentially let slip by because I have, I have made myself seem so much like the world that we're not, we're no longer attracting them with what the gospel is. It is not our similarities to the world that will attract them to it. It's our differences, right? So the people who are truly looking for truth, they're tired of the world. They've tried it and it's not working. They're not going to go looking for people who, you know, live and act and talk the same way they do. They're going to mm. come looking for people, hopefully, that sound different, mm. that live different. Um, and and what can we do uh, in our influence? I want to share something that uh, one of the brothers here shared recently. So when he, he was brought up in a very worldly family, when he became a Christian, um, one of his friends that was still in the world said, I know the real, and then he gave his name, you know, which was, which was hurtful, but he, he kept trying to do right. And then one day the fellow said, Hey, let's go watch. And we're, he was going to watch some, you know, raunchy movie or program or something. And the other guy says, no, he said, no, I'm not going to. And they got to talking and the other guy knew that he had had a collection of, of films. Um, and he got to talking to him. He said, well, what about all those films? He said, I threw them away. You threw them away? Yeah, threw them all away. The worldly prince said, 
Can I go to church with you sometime? Mm -hmm. Amazing. Because at first, it, you know, it seemed like he was, you know, really looking down on him, but he actually respected it. Yeah. And then wanted to know more. Yeah. Uh, that reminds me of Acts 19 with uh, the Christians who took out their, their magic books, you know, and, and burned them all in the side of the whole town. And they counted up the value. It was about 50,000 pieces of silver. Um, there, there are things that are worth destroying in our lives uh, right. for our own sake. Sometimes it's for influence. Um, but sometimes it's not just influencing others. It's influencing ourselves. And we don't, don't realize it. Um, Greg, would, would you walk us through uh, the rest of this bit here? We want to have you back again. Uh, for sake of time, sure. would you would you walk us through the rest of this here? So the rest of, of this particular slide? Yeah, if you don't mind. Um, yeah, so really, this is the third. Um, I'd say these are the top three things that we need to consider as we consider counting the cost. The only other thing about influence that I would want to add is what influence are we spending on our own brothers and sisters in Christ by putting unnecessary stumbling blocks in front of them, hmm. knowing that okay, maybe it doesn't offend my conscience to watch fill in the blank, but I know it does really harm my brother or sister over here. Is that movie more important? Um, you know, Paul talked about meat sacrifice to idols that doesn't resonate with me. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever consumed meat that's been offered to an idol, um, but it does resonate with me when I hear from someone who's got stricter standards of watching than, than I do and say, you watched what? Why would you do that? And mm -hmm. instead of getting defensive and upset and try to, you know, well, and, and there's a whole section on this. We can talk about this next time. Common excuses that we use, excuses that I've used to justify the things that I've watched. Um, but instead of getting defensive and trying to come up with excuses, I should simply say, look, is my love for this person, this brother or sister in Christ enough to say, you're worth more than a show. You're worth more than that movie. And that should be an, an absolute no-brainer to say, I would much rather the two of us see each other in heaven than to find out what happens at the end of the season. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. It, it, should, it should be obvious. So that's the end of that section. Uh, I'd, I'd be glad to come back um, next week we can kind of talk through a list, a short list of what I would say are some of the common objections and excuses. Um, but typically yeah, we'll, we'll, I like to, I, I'm sorry. No, so, so, yeah, I think that's good. We'll, we'll pick up there next time, but I okay. don't want to interrupt you. You said typically. Yeah, typically I just want to end anytime we discuss it with, with just reminding ourselves that it's not a, it's not a matter of what is Craig's standard of movies or shows. What's the church's standard of movies or shows? It, it's what God, what, what does God call us to as far as a standard of conduct? Hmm. And it's back in that passage that we read in the beginning in first Peter. Well, it's holiness. How much holiness? Like God. <laughs> <laughs> and in how much of our conduct in all of our conduct, in everything yeah. that I do and say and consume, can I describe that thing as holy? Um, that very well may limit the things that we watch 
But one of the one of the questions that I encourage people to ask, and I've been just as guilty of asking the wrong question, um, is instead of asking, is there anything bad in it, right? I'm going to look that movie up because I want to make sure there's nothing bad in it. Is there anything objectionable or offensive in it? That's the wrong question. The right question should be, is there anything of value mm. in it? Is there any kind of moral benefit to this? Because even if it's amoral and there's no such thing as, as media that does not push you one way or the other, but even if it were, is that a good use of my time? Because if I can't say it was valuable for me to consume that piece of content, why am I spending my, my gift of time that, that God has given me um, on that thing? And so I encourage people to, to ask the right questions and to use resources that are available. Um, there's a website and I found this really helpful. Even if you have to buy a subscription to it, just common sense media, they do reviews on books and shows and movies when they come out. And they're not quite as thorough as I wish they would be, but they give you a pretty good sense of what are potentially objectionable things in, in this, what are positive messages and role models communicated in this. Um, we use that before we go to a theater or watch a show. In fact, I just did it last night. Um, and even though there wasn't you know, significantly objectionable content, it did let me know that there was going to be the death of a character that might be hard for some younger viewers to see. And I've got small children. And so that was actually really helpful to use that resource. Yeah. Um, Let's pick up there next time. Cause I think absolutely. some of those resources is helpful. And the question you asked just now uh, about, is there anything of, of value in it? I, I like the way you, you opened us here in first Peter one today. Is this making me more like Jesus or mm -hmm. more like what I used to be? Uh, and what God no longer wants me to be. Uh, Craig, this has been a really helpful discussion today. Thanks for joining us. Um, we want to pick up here, Lord willing, next time. And for everyone tuning in, I hope this uh, is encouraging and challenging. Uh, maybe we'll have to make some changes with this, but thank you for tuning in. If you found this study helpful, please share with others. Uh, we want to hear from you, your thoughts or questions about this topic. You can visit us online at our website, BibleQuest.tv. Thanks for joining in. God be with you if he's willing. We'll see you all next week.